You're listening to Comedy Central. State of the unions are a vestige of a time that's long gone. Like, before technology, you needed the president to come and do that. Now we don't need it. Like, what's the president gonna come and tell you? Inflation is high. Yeah, we know. We know. Back in the day that you needed the president to come and be like, guys, so there's a new disease, it's called tuberculosis. This shit is coming for you guys. And, and then you're like, tuberculosis? <coughs> what's that? Aha, too late for you, my man. All right, uh, next state of the union. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was like a thing. Now the president just comes to tell you stuff. It seems like the president is reading like Twitter, but like, like a year late. <laughs> and the president's like, ah, uh, you know, we saw people in the streets protesting. Ah, uh, my man, we, we, we've, we already saw that. It's like, sorry guys, I, I print all my tweets and then I read them a year later. The State of the Union is strong. One year, just one year, the president should see people are listening, be like, guys, yo, this shit is, this shit is crazy. I mean, I, I, like, I hope we get stronger, but this shit is crazy, man. At the State of the Union, ah, 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 ah. Have you guys seen the price of gas? Ah. Have you seen what's happening in Russia? Ah, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know. State of the Union, we'll get by, okay? We'll get by. I just want to be honest with you guys. We're a country, right? We don't have to lie about these things, yeah? Yeah, you guys want to go get a drink after this? Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, the world boycotts Russia, Black State of the Union, and Bob Odenkirk. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. We are now on day six of Russia invading Ukraine for no particular reason. So, let's jump straight into the latest news in our ongoing coverage of the war in Ukraine. As we all know, Vladimir Putin launched his invasion of Ukraine last week. And if you didn't know that, well then that opening graphics thing must have been a really weird way for you to find out. But anyway, when Russia first launched this invasion, what seems more and more plausible is that they thought Ukrainians would just be like, ah, Russia, Ukraine, what's the difference? Come on in. But quite the opposite has happened. Ukrainians have stood strong. They've united in their defense. And because of that, Russia has really ramped up their attacks. This morning, Russia escalating its attacks, striking civilian targets in Ukraine's second largest city, Kharkiv, an administrative building targeted with a massive strike. Multiple social media videos from the scene showing the attack by Kharkiv's Freedom Square. Human Rights Watch pointing to this video online, accusing the Russians of using cluster bombs on the city. If verified, an attack on civilian areas would be a war crime. Now, the capital itself may be in the crosshairs of an all-out battle. New satellite images show a massive 40-mile Russian military convoy on the move from the north. Russia's advance is leaving a trail of destruction in its path, wrecking villages and suburbs on the way. Holy shit, that looks terrifying. You see the bombs dropping on the parking lot, the building. Yo, they just blew it up. Everything, everything blown to smithereens. And this, by the way, is before, before the 40 mile long convoy gets there, the one that's heading to Kiev. Think about that for a second. Like this is, this is so unfair. And I mean, we've always known that Russia is unfair. We know that, they don't play fair. I mean, they sent an actual steroid to compete in the Olympics, but this is beyond unfair. This is a war crime. 
And if anything, it's exposed Russia's lies about why they're coming to Ukraine. Oh, we're coming to liberate the Ukrainian people. From what? From what? Having a place to stay? It's no wonder that the entire world no longer wants anything to do with Russia. And the more Putin escalates, the more the world backs away. Backlash against Russia from the business sector and beyond. Local and national businesses, sports, and even the arts are pushing back. Just seconds ago, we got word that Apple is now officially banning all product sales in Russia. Meanwhile, ice skating's world governing body has suspended Russian and Belarusian skaters from participating in international competition, effective immediately. As for entertainment, Warner Brothers has halted the release of the Batman in Russia. Disney and Sony also announced that they would pause film releases in Russia. Finally, Netflix will not plan to add Russian state TV channels to its service despite a new law in the country that requires that they do so. Yep. In addition to cutting off Russia's banking and its travel, the world is now cutting off its access to technology and entertainment. And honestly, as much as I agree with movie companies cutting off the Russians, I don't think they've gone far enough. Like, if you really want to punish Russia, you shouldn't just block new movies. They should re-release old movies, but without any of the good parts, you know? Yeah, it should just be like, now showing in Moscow theaters. It's Star Wars, but just Jar Jar Binks. The Matrix, but Neo never leaves the office. And M. Night Shyamalan's old. They don't have to change anything for that one. They just leave it the way it is and send it to Russia. But between getting kicked out of international sports and losing access to Western products, Russians are going to start noticing that the life that they're used to has changed because of Vladimir Putin's decision. Although Putin is trying to fill that void himself. Are you worried about movie not playing in Russia? Well, do not worry, or we throw you in jail. Now Russia have many great TV and movie to watch, thanks to new streaming service, Netflix like new hit show, Putin Big Table Talk. Number one show about Putin talking at Big Table. So what if Russia banned from World Cup? We don't care, you watch more exciting sport. Putin play hockey, he's best hockey player in the world. If you not think that, we'll throw you in jail. And who need Western Batman when we have Russian Batman, Vladimir Putin? You watch him practicing judo, it's same as Batman. Sign up for Netflix today, or else you can watch in jail. Now, despite all of the destruction that Russia is inflicting on Ukraine, the president of Ukraine is still standing strong. Today, he delivered a speech via satellite to the European Union where he vowed that Ukraine would never surrender its freedom. And he received a standing ovation for the speech. Meanwhile, the foreign minister of Russia gave a speech to the United Nations Human Rights Council, and most of the diplomats stood up and walked out of the speech in protest. Which, I mean, to be fair, Nobody wants to hear a speech about respecting human rights from someone who's currently bombing civilians. It's like the guys from Jackass giving a lecture about testicle safety. In fact, the way things are going these days, there's a decent chance that any speech by Russia is just gonna end with, and so in conclusion, lock the doors, release the poison. Thank you for attending my talk. Now, as for the people of Ukraine, everyone around the world has been inspired by the resistance that they've put up so far you know, and their ability to tell Russia to go f itself in so many different ways. 
We've seen powerful images posted to social media showcasing the courage of ordinary Ukrainian people. We are seeing Ukrainians coming out, manning checkpoints, taking their hunting rifles, shotguns, standing next to Ukrainian troops. They are cutting down road signs by the roadside in an attempt to confuse advancing Russian troops. It's a popular sentiment on the streets. This man's sign is too vulgar to translate. Shmatko is a grandmother and a retired economist. These are the only weapons she has, but she says she's ready to fight. Let those Russian shits come here, she says. We are ready to greet them. This shows what is purported to be a Ukrainian farmer attempting to tow a Russian tank off his land with his tractor. Do you have a message for President Putin? Putin. You know what I love about the bleep sound? It's that no matter what language you speak around the world, you always know what it means. Yeah, because if I tell you to f river, you can safely assume that I wasn't wishing you a happy birthday. And yo, that shit was crazy. Did you see that? This is the middle of a war. That farmer towed a Russian tank away with his tractor. That is the most gangster thing on the farmer's side and is the most embarrassing thing for the Russian soldier. I mean, especially the way, like, he's chasing after them like the cops just towed his car. Oh, come on, that was about to feed the meter! And despite the overwhelming odds, you have to respect the fight, man. You have to respect the fight that the Ukrainian people are putting up. Civilians are grabbing shotguns. Farmers are towing tanks. Like, one thing we're learning from this war is if you're gonna invade a country, maybe don't pick the one where the grandmas know how to turn their knitting into a firebomb. Oh, you look thirsty! How about a drink? But as brave as these people are, everyone is still terrified about the potential outcome of this war. And that's mainly because the madman who has launched it is really, really, really unpredictable. Growing fears about the mental stability of Vladimir Putin as Russia pushes ahead with its invasion of Ukraine. One American familiar with the intelligence telling CNN, quote, Putin has been completely isolated, partly because of COVID. He's now just basically by himself, completely cut off from most of his advisors, isolated geographically. The only people talking to him were sycophants who are just feeding his resentment. We saw new images that show the lengths Putin has gone in recent weeks to isolate and socially distance himself from others. Even his closest advisors and cabinet members were seeing him sitting at the end of a very long table, those long tables have become his trademark, and his aides are clustered all together on one end, he sits by himself on the other. U.S. intelligence has learned that Putin has, has exploded in anger at people in his inner circle, expressing frustration over the state of the military campaign in Ukraine and the worldwide condemnation of his actions. That's unusual, they say, because as a former intelligence officer, Putin usually keeps his emotions in check. Yeah, apparently Putin is really pissed off because this invasion is not going how he planned. And this is a big deal because usually Vladimir Putin doesn't show any emotions. Like if you've ever seen him, he's always got this weird combination of being super calm and also super dangerous. Like a cobra that took too many edibles. You know, it's just like, shh, shh. How do you do a cobra on weed? And you know, it actually makes sense. It makes sense that people haven't seen Putin show his emotions before, because remember, Vladimir Putin is a trained spy. Spies have to keep their emotions in check. Like, even if a spy goes to a party, and at that party they're serving pigs in a blanket, you, you can't freak out and get all excited like normal people. You can't be like, oh shit, they got pigs in a blanket. No, you can't do that. You gotta be like, yeah, pigs in a blanket, it's okay, I guess. Yeah, give me like seven. 
But you know, it does make sense. It makes complete sense that he's lashing out now. Remember this, Putin doesn't know what it's like to lose. He wins every re-election without campaigning. He wins judo matches against world champions. Now suddenly he's having trouble beating a country that's a fraction of the size of his? No wonder he's mad. And by the way, this war shows you the big difference between a guy like Trump and a man like Putin. Because like as bad as Trump was, he never had the vision and the focus that Putin has. You know, Putin's dream is to reunite the Soviet Union and turn Russia back into the superpower that it was. The only dream Trump ever had was to combine a, a Big Mac with a bucket of KFC. Yeah, that's probably what he made Area 51 work on. Forget the alien autopsies. This is more important. We need to get the chicken inside the meat, deep in it, tender. The point is this. The point is that anyone in the world can be a madman. But once you add power and vision, that's where shit gets real. But please, please, I beg you, don't confuse Putin with Russia. Because although he's in charge, there are a lot of people in Russia who don't like their president or his war, and they have also been displaying some extraordinary courage. Resistance to Russia's attack on Ukraine is growing, and not just around the world, but also within its own borders. Anti-war protesters risking their safety here in St. Petersburg. It's one of many protests across the country as Russian authorities have detained nearly 6,000 people, grandmothers, teenagers, women, you name it. Some saying they'd rather risk arrest than live with guilt. I want the whole world to see that we don't want it, this woman says. Powerful signals of an awakening to aggression and injustice. No war, please. This is what a number of athletes and celebrities are advocating for. Russian tennis star Andrei Rublev asking for peace after his win Friday. Hundreds of journalists signing a petition. Uh, the director of the Bolshoi Ballet signing a petition. Even the children of oligarchs and of Kremlin officials speaking out on social media against the war. And a Russian lawmaker who voted with President Putin just this week now saying, I didn't vote for Kyiv to be bombed. Man, you've got to give credits to people protesting this war because you know how brave it is to speak up against Russia inside Russia? Like, I'm not even in Russia. And I'm going to test my coffee for poison after this show. Like, you know, it's, it's always funny how people in America think the world has ended when they get banned from Twitter. But think about it, in Russia, they don't delete your Twitter, they delete your life. And it's not just many Russian civilians who are against the war. No, one reason the invasion might not go as well as Russia has hoped is that even some of its own soldiers reportedly don't want to be there. Many of them thought they were just doing military exercises and they weren't even told that they were being sent into war. Just think about that. I mean, I think we can all agree that war is the worst kind of surprise there is. I mean, well, that and the, the reveal on Love is Blind. Oh, you have a face tattoo in the shape of a goatee. I'm... So happy. So, even within Russia, people are standing up and risking their lives to stop an unjust war, which is probably why Putin is resorting to things like this. Putin is ramping up efforts to control the narrative at home, banning media from characterizing Russia's attack on Ukraine as an assault, invasion, or declaration of war. Instead, state-run media propaganda paints Ukraine as Nazi aggressors and Putin as Russia's defender. Russian state TV has not been showing Russian forces attacking Kiev or attacking Kharkiv. Russians who watch TV don't really see all the things that are going on in Ukraine. We have seen crackdowns on social media over the last couple of days 
days. Twitter has been operating at an absolutely sluggish pace. The Russian government has said it will censor parts of Facebook. Wow. So not only is Putin cracking down on dissent, but he's lying about what's actually happening. Yeah. He's even banning the media from calling it an assault, an invasion, or a war. All of the things that it is, by the way. Which means Russian newscasters must be, like, deep in their thesaurus. How do you even describe this? Now to our ongoing coverage of the uh, international bullet exchange taking place in Ukraine right now. What's crazy about this whole thing is how Russia isn't banning Twitter. Did you see that? They said they're just slowing it down, like really slowing it down, which I feel like is somehow worse, you know? I mean, if you ban Twitter, fine, you've banned it. At least that way people get, you know, time. You'll be more productive. You're not productive. I would be if Twitter suddenly disappeared. I have so much more time to watch TikTok. So look, people, there's really no sugarcoating the situation right now. Despite the bravery of Ukraine and the efforts around the world to punish Russia, this invasion might get a lot worse before it gets better. And if Putin is as crazy as he seems, our only hope at this point is that like some hero Ukrainian farmer will come tow him and his giant ass table away as far as possible. All right, we gotta take a quick break, but when we come back, We'll hear Roy Wood Jr.'s address on the state of black shit. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Joe Biden has just finished his State of the Union speech tonight. And we didn't see it because I couldn't find the remote until after it was over, so we'll just have to cover it tomorrow. But as always, when the president talks about the State of the Union, we at The Daily Show offer our annual response, where we cover the issues that are of special importance to black America. So please, Rise your ass off the couch as Roy Wood Jr. delivers The Daily Show's annual State of Black Shit Address. Good evening, black people, African-Americans, and the new and improved brown m M&M. and I'm coming to you from one of the blackest locations in America, on top of one of those houses from the Super Bowl halftime show. As I speak to you, Snoop Dogg is 12 feet below me High as hell, no idea that the Super Bowl ended two, three weeks ago. But tonight, black people, we are gathered to once again ask ourselves the question, where we is? The past year, it's been an interesting one for our community. Mm -hmm. Black people got a lot of what we've been fighting for, just not in the way we had hoped. New York City's got a black mayor, but he's a cop. Black athletes made history but it was at the Winter Olympics. I don't know how to do none of that shit. Black people got out of prison, but one of them was Bill Cosby. It's the last time black folks make a wish with an evil genie coming out of a bottle of vodka. Lesson learned. Now, of course, 2020 was the year of black progress, which meant 2021 was the year of white people freaking out about black progress. White people spent the last year furious at the idea that their children might have to learn that racism exists and voting rights are disappearing around the country and they're not going to be easy to restore. We may need to get whoever brought back LeBron's hair to lead the fight. But black folks have also seen our fair share of triumphs over the past year. Obama's white friend turned Juneteenth into a national holiday. That's right. No more faking sick to celebrate Juneteenth. You walk in that job and you look your white supervisor in the face and you say, slavery! You hit the door. Now on, faking sick is just for the days that I'm hungover. So for that, we say thank you, President Biden, and also Vice President Harris, if we can find her. 
She's kind of doing a Frank Ocean, Kendrick Lamar, lay low thing, but we only hear from her once or twice a year. Respect, Queen. 2021 also saw black folk make progress in non-traditional black spaces, like spelling bees. Over the summer, Zaila Avant-Garde became the first African-American to ever win the spelling bee, which I think is G-R-A-T-E. Black people also took time to get our minds right this year because being black can be taxing on your mental health. You constantly got to be thinking about racism or whether or not they're going to reboot Martin. That's why Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles made headlines when they took a step back from their sports to take care of their mental health. Black athletes appreciated Osaka and Biles setting an example for them, and the white athletes who were competing against Osaka and Biles appreciated the chance to win for a change. But enough about the past, because we are here to talk about the future, and the future looks bright for black America. In the entertainment world, we're gonna get a new Jordan Peele movie, a Black Panther sequel, and a Beyonce album is slated. I can't think of a better way to pass the time in an eight-hour voting line at midterms. In politics, a black woman is likely to become a Supreme Court justice for the first time in history, making her the most powerful black judge in the nation, right behind Judge Mathis and Lauren Lake. And there's a whole new generation of black excellence on its way. Meghan Markle had a baby, Little Nas X is Little Nas X is due any day now. And Rihanna is pregnant. The only way this could be better is if Rihanna's baby is born holding her new album. So black people, when you ask the question, where we is, I say to you, we are on our way to a year of success, excellence, and reaching our full potential as a people. <laughs> unless, hang on, unless, Unless there's a new COVID variant. In that case, stay your ass inside and watch the new season of Atlanta. God bless you. God bless black people. And God bless Nicki Minaj's cousin's swollen balls. I say good evening. Play me out, Dre. Thank you for that, Roy. All right, when we come back, the star of Better Call Saul, Bob Odenkirk, will be joining me on the show. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is actor, director, and writer, Bob Odenkirk. He's here to talk about his new memoir, comedy, 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 drama. Bob Odenkirk, welcome to The Daily Show. Hello, Trevor. Um, Great to see you. Good to Great see to you. Great to be here. Good to, yeah, good to be in the at space. The round table. Thank you so much for, for, for joining me, especially to talk about a book that, I mean, it's like part memoir, but really it's, I feel like this is a how-to guide for anybody who wants to just work and grind through life. I hope so. That would be great if it had more than one use. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like that's one of the biggest uses. That's what It'll we'll... hold the door open too. Stick it under the door. We, oh, please, Bob. Um, like it's, but, it's, it's a really uh, good book about thank you. your life. But it's I'd love to know why you focus on comedy. comedy. Yeah. It's about showbiz. It's about hanging in there. It's about a lot of dead ends, which uh, I, I only included about I'm gonna say a third of the dead ends because it's very hard to write about shows and things that no one's ever gonna see or can see. I, I, I wrote the book for a number of reasons. One, you know, pop culture moves so fast these days. Yeah. And a lot of the things I did are smaller cultish things. I'm still very proud of them. Mr. Show, I was part of Get a Life, mm -hmm. um, helping with Tenacious D and Tim and Eric and, and but these things are all gonna get covered over by lots more gloppy 
comedy <laughs> and stuff. All of these feel like the stepping stones that got you to the world that we see you in now, the, like yeah. the person that we see today. I, I like I fell in love with you, obviously, like, like many people from Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know, that's where I went, like, who, this guy is... Yeah, that's where I've I never loved a lawyer who's sleazy, yeah. who's... You know what I mean? We, yeah. I feel like you changed how we even see lawyers, lawyers in that way. Lawyers, for some reason, love this guy. <laughs> Guys, he's a bad guy. You think, wait, you think he's a bad guy? No, no, I think he's a good guy, but his guys, his choice to be Saul Goodman... Uh, to put on this front, to you know, embrace situational yeah. ethics, I think is a bad choice. I don't like yes, it. Yes, I think it's I a bad like choice. I don't like people like that. But in the end, in the end, because I know the end now, we finished two weeks ago tomorrow, we finished shooting. This is long awaited. In the end, I like where it goes. Okay, okay. So we'll see, you will see. When, I, when, when you read this book, I, I mean, the title says, oh, comedy, 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 drama. Yeah. I, I don't know your story. A lot of people don't know your story. They just see a person on TV, they go like, this person's amazing. Then we see you somewhere else. This person's even more amazing. We assume life has always been amazing. Yeah. Then we see the grind. We mm -hmm. see, like you said, it's failure, 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 dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. Moment of success, no. Failure, failure, dead end, dead end. Moment again. And, and it feels like throughout your life, like Saul Goodman, you've been just trying to get that grip on, on this world and this career. Are you happy with where your life has gotten to? Is this like oh, a celebration so. of that now? Very much so, yeah. I, and by the way, I mean, look, I've had unbelievable success in the last few years with um, Better Call Saul and this film, action film Nobody played really well around the world. And uh, of course that informs it, but I'm very happy with where I'm at. But I also am happy with all the variety of things that I did and have gotten to do. And I think that that's a great quality to show mm -hmm. business is, mm -hmm. is the different avenues you can go down over time because this business loves people reinventing themselves. It, it, it does feed on the injured, you know? If you're <laughs> trailing blood, you will get eaten and spit out. But if you can just re regenerate yourself quickly and go, I'm back, <laughs> the business is like, oh great, he's back. <laughs> and, and that's pretty neat. I was really touched by you sharing parts of your story and how you know, you grew up as one of seven siblings, yeah. right? You know, yeah, yeah. And, and your dad was uh, was struggling with yes. his alcoholism. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Walked out on the family, etc. Yeah. It feels like that really changed a lot of how you wanted to be a dad. Like in the book, there's, there's, oh, there's yeah. a really beautiful part where you go, I don't want to do Better Call Saul because I want to be a better dad. I want to be at home. And then it's your kids who say, no, you got to go do the yeah. show. Yeah. Did your manager call the kids? How did this happen? <laughs> I... I, I don't wonder too much about it, but that does seem a little magical because my kids were 13 and 15 at the time. Yeah. And then when they first came to me and said, we are going to do, we want to do Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. It was a joke at first. The first scene I did with Brian Cranston on the set of Breaking Bad in the office, as soon as we were done with the take, one of the camera crew said, can I get a job on the sequel? And everyone that. laughed. And then it became this kind of running joke. There's got to be a sequel. They should do a show about Saul. And then Vince Gilligan came to me more than once. You think there's a show in that about Saul? I think there is. But when they said, you know, it's shot in Albuquerque, I looked at my kids and I thought about our life and I, and I did think about my own dad and he did not prioritize his family at all. 
And I, I just said, I can't do it. I can't leave yet. There's too mm. much work here at the house. And uh, the kids overheard that and I hung up the phone and my son was standing there across the room and he, he goes, uh, so you're not gonna do that show, huh? And I go, no, no, it's not, it's not time. And he goes, well, you're gonna disappoint a lot of people. And, uh, and then we carried on talking and he said, I, we'll help out at the house, dad, we'll make it work. So I let it go and then my daughter came to me and she had talked to my son and, uh, and my daughter was more like a kid who grew up in Hollywood with questions. Uh, what would it be like? Would it be hard to do? Uh, do you think people would like it? And then she said, if it's bad, how bad would it be? <laughs> Real manager type. This <laughs> yes, is a 13-year-old. Like yes. And I go, it wouldn't be bad. It would be an interesting experiment. That's the worst it would be. And she goes, well, you should do it. I love that. So, I love that. Before I let you go, how's your heart? By the way, I'm you, great. You had a heart uh, attack, right? I did. I did. Uh, you didn't just have a heart attack. That's July not the, 25th. That's, that's not you the know, book. I finished the book yeah. long before I had the heart attack. Um, uh, I did. I had a, a heart attack, and I was very lucky to have it on the set. And there were some pros around who immediately gave me CPR. And everybody listening, take a CPR class, brush up on it. Uh, they saved my life. You, you don't remember any of this. I don't remember any of it. The next day, after the surgery, I woke up. My family was there. And I was like, hey! Uh, I was like, I gotta go back to work. And they were, I'm in a hospital gown. And, and they go, um, no, you don't. You had a heart attack. I'm like, well, no, no, what? No, I was, I was at work. And they go, how did you get here? And I go, and my brain did this all on its own. I, dro I drove here and I parked wow. on level two. And then, cause I knew you guys were here. And, wow. and then I came in here and my wife goes, so you came in here and you got in that bed and you put that gown on? And I look down and I'm like, yeah. You know, oh, like man. my brain made up a little story about how I'd gotten there. Whoa. Totally weird, but I'm great. <laughs> I'm glad, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you're great. I'm glad we get to celebrate the final season of Better Call Saul with you. I'm glad we said we get to celebrate the book with you. Um, congratulations Thanks, to you. Thanks, Congratulations friend. on your Thank life. You so and much. Um, say hi to the kids. I will. Thank them for all of us as the okay. fans. I will. We really do appreciate them. Thanks. All right, people, Bob's book, comedy, 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 drama, is available right now. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, Families in Ukraine are fleeing violence and urgently need emergency aid. CARE's immediate crisis response aims to reach four million people, prioritizing women and girls, families, and the elderly. So if you can donate at the link below to rush urgently needed water, food, hygiene kits, and ongoing support in Ukraine to the people who need it, then please go to the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're considering invading Ukraine to make your life easier, probably might want to think again. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.